absentee fathers and our adult children's lives. We have come to the end of this series where fathers have spoken very openly and candidly about the raising of their children or not. With full openness and transparency, owning their part, if not all, and how they have had to find the role and path of forgiveness from their children for being absent in certain seasons, as well as what it looks like to be there for their children, but knowing the changes that needs to be made within them to show up as a full man and father in a way that God called them to be, which takes change that is not always easy to do yet necessary. Also, what it looks and feels like to leave space or distance while being in a humble place before God with a trust that he will heal and soften hearts and ultimately reunite just as we see in the story of the lost son in Luke 15. So without further delay, let's jump right in. Welcome back to another episode of Trueness of the Words. I'm your host, Eleanor Fleming, and our guest today is Pastor Stan Turner. He is actually the pastor, the senior pastor, and I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about that. And we're also going to put it in about section because he's an awesome pastor. So I wanted to also make sure I say that right at the beginning. Welcome, Pastor Stan. Good afternoon. Honored to be here. Thank you. I'm humbled that you are, and I appreciate it. So today, our topic is on unveiling the impact of absentee fathers in our adult children's lives. So by this time, we've already been into a couple of episodes of this, and it is something that women uh, definitely have been excited about this series. Um, some not so excited. I actually just today... Um, was speaking with, I apologize, it was yesterday, I was speaking with a young lady that um, advised and we were talking about the differences and how fathers, uh, when there's a father in the home and when it's not, and also how a father can be in the home and yet be absent. So definitely uh, that this is a topic that many want to hear about. Now I do have a question that I'm asking at the very beginning to kick us off. And the question is, What is it that you would like for every woman and man that's a parent to walk away from this interview with? Well, um, I would like every, every parent, every, every father, every mother to walk away with really just maybe posturing themselves differently when it comes to talking about uh, matters of parenting and how Mm -hmm. their relationship with one another as moms and dads, as significant others, uh, impact the lives of their children, uh, both negatively and positively, and to perhaps um, be conscientious about guarding against those things that can negatively impact their children. Wow. That's really good. I'm glad you um, brought that home. That uh, that can actually uh, jump us right into a question that I have, and that is, or a conversation. So a lot of uh, times, not all the time, 
But a lot of times we hear uh, mothers, unfortunately, um, that are, uh, well, we hear of mothers that are upset with uh, the the father and it's vice versa as well, because we also know that fathers are upset with mothers and won't come around their children because of it. Mm. But that area where mothers are uh, upset and the relationship between the father and the mom didn't work and they're holding the children. And um, can you speak a bit about that and how you think, because you kind of uh, brought it up just now, uh, what it is that you feel could be different or how that's impacting when you hold a child from their father? Sure. Um well, first and foremost, I believe parents really need to, you know, mo most parents, they've, they've lived a good portion of their life. And the children, they have, they have most of the rest of their lives in front of them. And so I think it would be wise for moms and dads to uh, do some research on how uh, the, the importance of the father in the life of the child, the importance of the mom in the life of the child, and the importance of them getting along in the parenting process. If that mom and dad are, is not together, uh, they need to understand the importance of getting along to minimize the dysfunctionality I mean, it's, it's already dysfunctional that, that mommy and daddy isn't together. That's not an ideal, you know, for the children because those little boys, those little girls, they love their mom and their dad. Mm. And so I think it behooves moms and dads to do the best that they possibly can to keep their differences of opinion and their fights out the presence of their children in order to keep to a minimum the degree of dysfunctionality in the growth of those children. That's powerful. I love that. So one thing I do want to bring, um, so ladies and gentlemen that may be watching this, Pastor Stan, you have seven children. So he's yes. not speaking, he's not speaking from a place of unknown. He's speaking from a place of known. Now, can you tell us here? You have seven children. Um, did you ever have any uh time frame where you had that struggle with the mom and yourself and maybe a distance between you and your children ever? Um yeah, there. Even though still physically together, you know, every relationship has its cycles. Every relationship has its ups and downs. Mm -hmm. um, just by virtue of the fact that I'm a part of the equation, that's going to lessen the chances of it being a perfect relationship, right? And truth be told, the same is true of her because we're we're not perfect human beings. Yeah. And so as as much as we like to as much as we like to try to have the happily ever after, we need to realize that that's a fantasy. Um, mm -hmm. However, it can be it can be closely attained to by managing differences. Um, you know, as you go through the various stages and 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 phases of life. Um, but again, um, you know, 
it's it's just so so important uh, because those children love both mom and dad. It's just so so important that parents keep the main thing the main thing and not allow small things to become the main thing because that's when separation increases more and more and more and that could be very detrimental. Yes. You um so I want to say this. So most times we look at it. So I think that when it comes to parenting and the ups and the downs, the bads and the goods, that's not a race thing. That's just a human thing that tends to happen. We but what happens is in society because we are, I'm African-American woman, you're African-American man, it seems to be put into our uh, race category that we tend to have the most absentee fathers and we don't care. The fathers for our children don't care. Can you speak to that as a man and uh, African-American man at that, uh, regarding that? Because I don't think that that's true, that it's just... Um, Black men that abandon their children. You're you're absolutely correct. Um, the the fact of the matter is is that facts show that fathers are absent um, as much in other communities other than African American, um, just as much. Um, mm -hmm. But the propaganda out there. Uh, especially here in the Western world and in the United States, the the propaganda and the narrative that's tried, uh, that's attempted to be created, is that it exists more within the African American family. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have my. So just in case you don't, I always say this. I I tend to have to say this to people so they'll know. I have my ink pen. I write down notes and I keep them. I'm like writing notes as we're speaking. So I keep it with me because I never want to miss anything. Okay. So if you ever see me looking down, it's because you said something. I'm like, I don't want to forget that. So I just want to make sure I want to let you know that. So you said it exists in our community. So one, so another thing that comes up with that, because it does seem to be that within our community, and let me tell you why I'm driving home with this. So when you and I had our pre-conversation, I definitely enjoyed it because you really dived into the um, ethnicities themselves, like the differences between the cultures and the things that we come up against. And that literally drew me in. Mm -hmm. So when I was thinking about that after the fact, I said, really because we have such a uh, a dim light on us. It's like we're shined upon mm -hmm. uh, more readily than others. Now, let me make a confession as I say that. Mm -hmm. The same, I have to be honest, there are those times that I do get frustrated and I want to know what is it that our um, Black men are missing that causes them to be absent when they are? And if I can elaborate just a little more, because it's our community, I see it. So I see that first because mm -hmm. it's our community. And mm -hmm. is it that they don't have the skill set? Is it possible that they don't have sometimes the education? And because so many are just having, it is true, we're having so many children out of wedlock and men are having, as well as women, 
are having children, and this is not to bash anybody. So let's be clear on that. Let me let me jump in real quick and say this, just in case you, um, Pastor Sam, hasn't haven't seen before. This is not about bashing men, and it is not about bashing women. We are here to uplift the purpose of this when it was placed upon my heart. And it's like God wakes me up in the middle of the night and I'm saying, okay, enough already. Mm -hmm. But the purpose is so we can bring awareness and possibly that there is some help that can give because there are men as well as women, but there are men that we are deeming as absentee fathers. They really want to know how they just don't know how. Mm -hmm. So I want to say that we're not bashing anybody. Um, but back to what I was going to say, because I wanted to preference it with that. We have so many that are having children with multiple men mm -hmm. and men of course are having children with multiple women. And then these children are not being cared for appropriately in a household that will raise them up conducive as the word of God will tell us to do so. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just wondering if you have a, um, do you think possibly it has something to do with the, uh, just what they may not know or what they've been brought up around to yeah. have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would concur that in, in the 21st century, in this day and age, there are some deficits when it comes to uh, parenting skills. Um, both on the fathering side and the mothering side. Um, but Eleanor, there's a lot, there's a lot of variables. There, there, there's a lot to peel back, you know, in, in order to understand um, the, the reality and the phenomenons that we see today. Um, I believe historically uh, a lot has been uh, set into motion, uh, going all the way back over the past 400 years, that has resulted in a lot of the the realities that we see, especially in the African American community. And one of the reasons why one of the reasons why the absenteeism of the African American father is so accentuated in the media and in the public eye is because the disparities, the disparities that exist between African-American households, other against Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, and Ural Americans. I mean, to be real candid, generally speaking, the, the, the wealth of the African-American family is the lowest the lowest in, in American life. Um, mm -hmm. And historically and systemically, there's been a lot that has, that has been set in motion that has resulted in that. Consequently, consequently, when, when you have, when you have poverty, when you have lack of education, under education, um, you know, as boys and girls grow up and mature into manhood and womanhood, they are going to have physical attractions and they're going to inevitably, you know, mate. Mm. Um, and, and, and they're going to have offspring. And so mm. um, 
if if there's been a lot missing in the the development of children in terms of you know little girls learning how to grow up and become young women and to respect themselves and um, to conduct themselves with dignity and the same on the little boy side, growing up, learning how to become a young man, be a gentleman, um, you know, get a house, earn money, uh, have those things in place before he meets that young lady, fall in love with her and ask her to marry her so that he has somewhere to bring her. You know, if, if these young people aren't, aren't learning that there are things that need to be in place so that you could be a good father and yeah. maximize the opportunity to raise that son and that daughter that's going to come once you and that young lady begin to make love, um, yeah. then the disparities now are even worse. Because now the child is born and the daddy has nowhere to take, wow. you know, the, the, the child's mom. Um, and he doesn't have the wherewithal to take care of the child's mom nor the child. Mm. And, and, and the same is true on, on, the, on the young lady side who has become a mother. You know, maybe she's just graduating from high school. You know, or maybe she was trying to make it through college, but now she has a felt need because she's fallen in love with this handsome gentleman and they have a child. And it's like, I got to I have to go find a job, you know, so that, you know, the um, the twelve dollars that I make an hour and the thirteen dollars that he makes an hour mm. is enough income in order to provide for this baby, because most parents do want their children to do better than them. Yes. But but you got to start outright. And the mm. sad thing is that a lot of our uh, more of more of the population of our children in the African American community don't get a good start because yeah. because not only did their parents not get a good start, but their grandparents didn't get a good start and their great uh grandparents didn't get a good start and so the cycle it continues. It yeah. continues and it's really, mm. really sad. That is that 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 was really good. Now that's gonna bring me to something. Uh what you saying all of that. So something you uh stated was that you, the church's impact on a country and community that's important to you. So that if I could bring that in, I want to caveat that with how much of because again, the church impact on the country and community ties in directly with what I'm going to say here. How much of this do we think the church plays a role in? And here's why I'm asking you this question, because from a pastor's perspective, maybe you could really help with this. When I hear it, and let me say in this one, when I heard a testimony about this specifically, without going too detail, it impacted me because I knew I wanted to talk to you specifically about this particular question. When the church leaders have been disrespectful in their homes, violated in their homes, violated those within their home, how 
And then it, it impacts those young children that when they get older, they're looking at the church and saying, I don't want any part of that. It's like how and, and what happens because I'm hearing that then they run away, not physically like I'm running away from home, but that happens too. But they run away from the home and they say, I can get better out here because you presented yourself to me one way in the home. But then you were another way as a leader in the church. And I thought this would be a perfect platform where you could definitely help give insight to that, to women that are hurting from that and men mm -hmm. that are hurting from it or inflicted it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, there there is... There's a disparity of morals and ethics in all of our lives. Um, to be honest, um, you know, we, we have moral, ethical values that we aspire to and that we strive for, but we'll never get there 100%, right? I mean, as, mm -hmm. as Christian men and women of God, we realize that, however, we do not use that as an excuse to be less than what we're capable of being through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the unfortunate thing is this, you know, uh, here in the West and in the United States in particular, we've long had the reputation of being a Christian country, of being a Christian nation. And that's not just because of Protestantism, Protestant churches. That's also because of Catholicism, because individuals that are not as astute when it comes to faith systems and religions, they lump the Catholic Church, you know, into Christianity, okay. which... We, we, we realize Catholicism is, is not Christianity, but that, that's a different conversation right there. Now, I say that to simply say this, you know, in, 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 a lot, in a lot of our homes across the country and historically, you know, men uh, who have Christian reputations and even women, uh, we have been guilty not just in the home, but in, in the local church. Okay. In the church, whether Christian or Catholic, we have been guilty of, you know, sexual pedophilia, sexual abuse, mm. um, cheating on our wives, cheating on our husbands, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And mm -hmm. so what, what ends up happening is that when society sees in the media more of more and more of this happening in Christian organizations, whether we're talking about the YMCA, the YWCA, boys and girls clubs, boy mm. scouts, girl scouts, you know, the Catholic church, sometimes happening in Protestant churches, and and these individuals that work with children work with families it's discovered that wow you know they have a history you know of abusing you know little boys and little girls and and sometimes this sort of thing comes out and 
the institutionalized church, you know, particularly on the Catholic side, um, does not meet out disciplinary action um, and maybe even, you know, upends um, law enforcement and the judicial system from, you know, charging priests, um, you know, within the Catholic church. Uh, you don't see it as much on the Protestant side of the church as you do on the Catholic side of the church. But but people, they, you know, they, they become frustrated. And it's like, these are supposed to be our moral and our ethical leaders, but yet they're <laughs> failing. So if the church is all messed up and jacked up, you know, where do we go? And so the unfortunate thing is that the, you know, the average, I, I mean, unbelievers, they don't know that, hey, um, Christ is the head of the church, despite the fact that you have leaders in a parish or a local church or a denomination that is guilty of these kinds of behaviors, you have far more people that's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have far more people that's doing the right thing. And so despite the behaviors of these immoral men and women, I'm going to stay true to God. I'm going to stay true to the scriptures. And I'm going to allow the Lord to direct me to uh, a pastor, a man of God, yeah. uh, who is doing the best that he can to live uh, the life that he professes to live. Yes. Um, Does, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So I want to uh, speak to that as you were speaking. And that goes back to, and I do, um, I really hate that for women. Um because that's a hard one to come back from. And young men, that's a hard one for them to come back from because you you're telling me I'm supposed to serve this almighty God, but the, and he is almighty. Let me mm -hmm. say that. He is mm -hmm. almighty God. And But this is the things that you hear. This is who you want me to serve, but yet the very people that's supposed to be walking with him are the ones that's doing this. And see, the way I look at that, I look at it as these human beings are human. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is the same people, and they're cunning. If And, and when we... We have to remember that everybody that's sitting in the uh, church is not getting into the kingdom of heaven. That goes that's for the pulpit and that goes for the pews. Right. What we want and desire is some of the things I've said. This is teased about on here. Right? My uh, spiritual mother did. She interviewed me. And one of the things that because this is running joke with me, I always say, Lord, I mm -hmm. need you to get these people that's out of order. And so that they can see the difference between someone that's honoring you and mm -hmm. being obedient to you. Can you do something with them? So that's the joke. I'm always like, Lord, but the, the thing is, in all seriousness, if I can speak to the women and to men, I can't pretty much just definitely talk to men as much as I can women. And that is, it is unfortunate that we live in a fallen world, that these are the things that do happen. Um, but God himself, he speaks in his word about that, that leaders will be judged more harshly than others when it comes to these things. So if they're in these positions and they have uh, and they're not genuine, first of all, mm -hmm. there's going to be a handling of that. 
mm-hmm. if they uh, if they at some point in their life was they were mm-hmm. walking, but then falling away because you see that so much. Mm. That's yeah. the thing right now too. You see that so much now in society. I'm not. I, I I'm joking about it now, but I used to, like I would I was easily to say I don't do social media, and I never I didn't. This is like the biggest thing of social media for me in the world. But being even doing this, what happens is because of the different platforms I'm on, now what's happening is it pops up the algorithms, right? The the AI and all that brings up all of this stuff that you see and you're saying, wait, this leader is doing this and this leader is doing that. So I can see why the world looks at the church and second guess whether or not the world is any different um, than the church. It is. Okay. So, and then, then you have them things happening to young people, but if I could just appease to, or, 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 or plead to women, don't let what's going on with, uh, even if you were the one that was hurt by this, mm-hmm. stay in focus with the Lord, stay focused on God, stay before him because that relationship with him, he will definitely, definitely, if you stay that relationship with him, he will draw you into him. Exactly. He will give you peace. And so I know that was a kind of long way around, but it's no other way to explain a person that does wrong things uh, to people. Um, My journey has not been one that has been easy in violation of my own self, but Mm -hmm. I had to find within myself to know that God was God and that he will use it all. He will use it on my journey and he'll use it for my good. So if we could not look at the church, mm -hmm, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was just agreeing with you. Absolutely. You know, um, I I really I really appreciate, you know, your plea uh, to women and to men, especially if they've been victims of some sort of abuse Mm -hmm. by clergy, you know, people that they should be able to trust. You know, the unfortunate thing is that the the call to be a pastor, the call to uh, run a a parish on the Catholic side, you know, to some men and women, it's an occupation. It's a job. Just like, you know, rather than being a police officer, I want to be a doctor. You know, rather than being an attorney, I want to be a salesperson. You know, for some mm-hmm. people, they they look at the spectrum spectrum of jobs out there and it's like hey you know i think i want to be a pastor you know i think i want to want to serve in the uh the office of clergy but they don't have they don't have the biblical regeneration that we expect to see in men and women you know who are in church and so and so thus because they're not they're not, they haven't undergone biblical regeneration. They're still a natural man. Yes. Not born again. Then they, they yield to the propensities of mm. the Mr. Hyde that's yes. in them as opposed to the Dr. Jekyll. You know, they present mm-hmm. like an upstanding moral ethical person. But when it comes to, 
these propensities and inclinations to entertain the evil that can't nobody see in their head, but they know exists. And then all of a sudden they began to let that beast, that monster, that demon out. And the more you let that beast, that monster, that demon out, and, and, you know, whether it's, um, uh, you know, pedophilia or some uh, other form of pornography, you got to feed that thing more and more because the unregenerate natural man or woman, it don't matter if they are a pastor or clergy. Mm-hmm. If they're not born again, they have no control over that demon. Yes. Only born again human beings, only born again new creations in Christ can say no to that evil and say, hey, I am never going to let you out the cage because that's wrong. Yes. You, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. You know? I agree. And, I agree. And, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And so and and it's not just in that particular area, uh, Eleanor, but in, in so many other areas. You know, the only instrument that God has called to use to transform people in this world is the church of Jesus Christ. He hasn't called any other institution, you know. Mm. And so it's the enemy's it's the enemy's uh, goal, mission and task to try to undermine the witness of the church, because if people aren't listening to the church, they are hopeless. They are without yes. hope. That's you so know. good. I'm I'm glad you said that because that's such a real thing, which takes us back to fathers when they're absent in the home. And because, and that's what helps. So when you, so let me um, back up. When you, you think about a father that has, because um, like talking to all the men over the past, a uh, few weeks has just been phenomenal, right? And listening to you all's hearts, where you're speaking about um, um, when you weren't saved. You know, I hear men that are talking about when they weren't saved and the things that they were doing, but then when they gave their life and literally submitted unto the Lord, how that transitioned them to be able to think, okay, how should I do this? How should I navigate in this space with my children? Because there are men that have multiple children and okay, by a previous marriage and then a current marriage or before they were married. And, and then how do you, and how their relationships changed after they became saved and not just saved. I have to say this because so often we say, I'm saved. I gave myself, myself to the Lord, but then they're wondering why, but we're talking about genuinely saying, Lord, I'm going to submit to you and submit to your word. Because when we do that, that's how we transition our thought process. And so let me, um, cause you have here that parent parental coaching is an interest, a very strong interest for you. Can you speak on that and how it works with, uh, absentee fathers? And then if we can, I want you, if you can loop it with, how? Because your children are saved. So I yeah. applaud you on that. Your children are saved. So if you can loop the parental coaching in with your children, all seven of your children being saved and what you did within yourself to help with that through Christ. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've been a born again believer for 48 years. And 
I've been very, very fortunate because when I came to Christ at the young age of 17, I had really good men and women, single and married, around me. And so, um, and even predating that, you know, being number 12 or 13 children, um, having seven older sisters, four older brothers, there's me and a boy up under me. My older siblings, when they had children, a lot of times they would ask their little brother to babysit, you know, give me 25 cents, 50 cents. So I learned a lot of my parenting skills early in life, even before I got married. Okay. okay. Um, you know, just being a caregiver, you know, as an uncle, you know, to these little nieces and nephews of mine. Um, but when I came to Christ at age 17, being around a lot of godly men and women, uh, both married and single, they I learned a lot of values and things that I wanted to replicate in my life from my mom and dad, you know, particularly yeah. from my dad, because, you know, I'm being socialized, you know, from boyhood to, to manhood. And I realized that, hey, that boys become men, you know, and yeah. so I'm, I'm going to be like my daddy. So I, I, there were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, things and that dad was a great dad. There were a lot of things that I saw in my dad that I wanted to emulate, you know, and I saw a few things that would cause, you know, some issues and problems between him and my mom. And it's like, okay, I can see how that would cause a problem. I don't mm. want to emulate that because I don't want, wow. when I get married, I don't want my wife, you know, responding to me you know, and, and, you know, asking me why I'm wrongly accusing her, you know, because of jealousy and stuff like that. And daddy don't know it, but me and the kids, we know mama ain't been nowhere. <laughs> she, she, you know, she ain't been out with this, with this neighbor of ours down the street. It was just in my daddy's head because, you know, my mom was an attractive woman, right? And my dad was a handsome guy too. Um, and so the parental coaching, the parental coaching, um, that is so, so important because, you know, Eleanor, we grow up, we graduate from high school, and then the focus is upon career, making money, and the American dream, you know, get married, you know, have the nice house with the white picket fence and raise kids and live happily ever after. But the mm -hmm. fact of the matter is this, you know, we should get as much, if not more training when it comes to being married and being a husband and a wife and a parent, as we do when it comes to our careers, because our careers, whether we're making $75,000 or 125, our careers don't mean a hill of beans. If we come back home and I don't know how to be a husband to my wife, mm. I don't know how to be a father to my children. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring, my lack of skill set and my deficits, you know, to the house. And if my wife has as much of a lack of skill set and a deficit when it comes to being a wife and a mother, you know, that's that's TNT. It's going to blow up. Yes. And the kids are wondering what's going on between mom and daddy, you know, and it's because we got all this education, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, doctorate degree, so that we can know how to make money, but we don't know how to take care of home. And home is not going to make it. 
you know. That's my applaud. That's my applaud to you. So, so so parental coaching is is very very important. And I don't know. I don't. It doesn't matter how mature. And by mature, I'm talking about how age someone is. You know, whether yeah. they're in their 20s, they're in their 30s, their 40s. You can never get enough parental coaching, and and have people in your life that you have a sense of accountability to because there's always, always, always going to be issues that come throughout the stages of development where, you know, if I'm in my middle 40s or I'm in my 50s, you know, and I might be going through a midlife crisis or she may be going through what women go through. It's like, hey, you know, I'm kind of at a fork in a road. Me and my wife, Lady of BK, you know, we're of mature age, but still... Mm -hmm. Growth never stops. Yes, I agree. I agree. That's so important. I'm so glad you brought that up because I am an advocate of counseling. And when I say counseling, I mean genuine, spiritual, biblical counseling. Amen. Not just somebody sitting that they have it. No, genuine someone that, um, and has you, they come with the, um, uh, the experience and you know it already you know that they have it because we never just as you said we never stop needing to understand we never stop growing um we never stop needing to know okay what does this mean you know it, it's unfortunate that so often people want to learn it by their own way and that's the most, uh, that can be, like you said, TNT, that definitely can be, that's a, a, a what do you call it? A formula for a disaster. Exactly. We have to, because the word of God also demonstrates for us. I mean, when we think about, he says, when I was a man, when I was a boy, I thought as a boy, when I become a man, I think as a man, mm -hmm. but see, so often boys grow up. And you still have, they grow into a man's body, but they're still boys with mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. And that's because the appropriate training and things that they need has not been put into them. It could be because no one was there to give it. And when it was available, they didn't want it. Mm -hmm. So that that's the hardest piece. And then that takes us back uh, to this. Men not being in their children's lives the correct way. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you, if you're operating as a, a, as a boy raising kids, so that you, I don't know if you ever, you see her to saying they used to be like babies raising babies. Oh yeah. Because that's what was, what's happening. Young people are having children and then they're not doing, it's like they're raising their children while their children trying to grow up. Exactly. And there are some that feel like, okay. No, I'm, I, I, let me say this. I had my daughter when I was, um, I was 18 years old, mm -hmm. 18. Mm -hmm. And my mother was not the happy camper, but what I knew she came, she came to me and she said, and she didn't have to say this to me, nothing but the Holy spirit. I know made sure she said this to me just in general. She said, just so you know, you had a baby. And another thing she told me was, if I was to die tomorrow, I don't know if she said today or tomorrow, she said tomorrow, 
She said, what would you do? Now, I wasn't, there wasn't anything I was doing. I wasn't being late. It wasn't that. She was letting me know something. Because mm -hmm. what that says is, you are now a parent. And as a parent, it is your responsibility. You have to grow a little faster than you thought you had mm -hmm. to. You made, this is the route that you chose. And so now, and I was hungry. Let me tell you, Pastor Stan, I was mm -hmm. hungry for knowledge all the time. To this sure. very day, that's why I read so much. I listen to leaders that I know. I stay in my word because the word of God guides me. It 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 affects my conscience when I'm going wrong. Amen, gives, sister. Yes, it gives me a platform to say, "Okay, God, I need something to gauge off of." And so, when we when we have babies raising babies, and everybody want to party together. Everybody want to do, you can't do the same things as a parent. I can't do with you what I would do with a friend. Mm -hmm. I am the parent. Mm -hmm. God designed it as such. Mm -hmm. So there's just certain things we can't do. And so I, I believe what has happened, this isn't the full proof of it, but you have so many parents that are the younger ones and you got older ones too, that feel like it's okay to uh, click up with their children in a manner that they feel like they would with their peers. Exactly. Mm -mm. And that's, that's, that's dangerous. It's very it's dangerous. Slow. It has yeah. far reaching complications and implications. And if we would just, I go back to this because it's not to brawby anybody. Cause I, I know it's like, how do getting into the word of God? I'm, I'm gonna say this reading the word of God is not easy, and I'm gonna say it this way because it is something that you definitely have to discipline yourself and say, Lord, I'm gonna study your word, I need you to help me. Because there's that joke, too. They say, if you want to fall asleep at night, pull out the Bible, you're going to sleep, right? That used to be mm -hmm. the joke, but for <laughs> me, when I pull my Bible out. I genuinely am like flustered because I'm trying to get all that I can sure. and I don't want to fall asleep. So I said all of that. I put a lot of stuff in there because I believe that the Bible itself teaches boys how to be men. Um, that's true. Uh, as a tool in the hands of the parents, mm -hmm. the scriptures teaches boys how to become men, and girls how to become women. Yes. Two of the primary responsibilities, and this is the reason why I believe God gave children parents. They need mm -hmm. two things. Otherwise, life is going to be rough for them, and they probably are not going to make it unless they somehow or other learn how to develop this on their own. Number one mm -hmm. is discipline. Yes. Number two is decision-making. You read the book of Proverbs and the book of Proverbs is all about, you know, my son, you know, be disciplined in this, you yes. know, work, rest, get up the next day and work. Don't be lazy. Mm. You know, yes. the only way you can deal with laziness, mental laziness, you know, to your point about reading the scriptures, it's like, nah. I want to read the scriptures. I'm not going to fall asleep. And so the only way, the only way you can read anything and not fall asleep, you have to become disciplined at that. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and so it talks about the importance of discipline and it talks about the importance of decision making. And the reason why we see so much mayhem, you know, out here in our world and sadly uh, in the African-American community, it's in other communities too, mm-hmm. um, but we see it in our in our African-American community where, I mean, it is just really, you know, exacerbated because, you know, of a, a lot of the impoverishment that's within our community. The reason why it exists is because undisciplined and, 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 and parents who did not learn good decision-making skills yes. are perpetuating the same thing, giving birth to the same thing in their children and their wow. own children, their own children, they can't get it because they mom and daddy don't have it. And then their peers that they connect to, their surrogate family, because maybe daddy is absent or maybe mommy is absent, their surrogate family out there, they all come from the same kind of a household where when they were born into this world, decision-making skills and discipline was not deposited in, in them. And so now you get a group of them together and boy, you, you don't have you don't have a community. You have chaos. Yes. Now you were saying something. Now then there's that decision making that. So what happens when let's talk about this a little bit, if we can again to, because we're trying to, it's, we are like in a lot of places and I'm sitting over here. You can't, of course, you don't know what's in my mind, but I'm over here saying, God, thank you. Because then, you know, I've said before, you never know how these casual conversations, because it's an interview, but it's a casual conversation, sure. how they're going to go. And I always ask the Lord, you know, lead, guide, and direct, right? How this will go. And so the decision-making, when you have people, and there are adults, there are those that are not teenagers. They, we have men and women having children into their 20s, 30s. They can start mm-hmm. off having kids and still not, it's like, what it, you look around and you're like what is going on we just just the way it's done i think that's the best way i can put it but the decision making what happens when because you gave the i'm sorry you gave the example of how it continues on it's like a diamond spiral whatever it right. is but what happens when the parent doesn't have the decision making skill set and they end up their children end up growing up because we're talking about adult children. This is what this is all about. And they grow up, but they do. They gain the knowledge. Mm-hmm. They connected to become mature. They're mm-hmm. no longer eating on, they're no longer taking formula. They're eating meat, as the word of God says, mm-hmm. right? So they've grown and they've matured, but the parent, so let's say the father, because we're talking about the absentee fathers. And if they haven't grown in a space and then you have a clash with these adult children, I mean, so- how do we help a father that, and I think we've said it though, but it's a matter of taking it. You know how you tell someone, I've given you the advice, you don't take it, so what more can I say? So it's a lot yeah. of it, you've said a lot of stuff here that can help me, but what about that father that didn't get it right? Mm-hmm. You Raising your kids, you didn't get it right. Now they're grown mm-hmm. and they've matured, but you're still in a, in a state of not a mature state and the children just don't want to be bothered with that. How mm-hmm. does that work? 
for that man. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that that parent-child relationship is that that's another issue um, that hopefully can be resolved, you know, through through counseling. But for for that adult parent, whether it's a father or a mother, um, let, let me share with you what my experience has has been okay. in working with people out in the community here in Detroit, Northwest Indiana, and in Chicago. Okay. In, in my experience, I have discovered that parents who lack the skill set um, and have proven to lack the skill set of being a good parent, and it's, it's, um, it's obvious through the raising of their children, and now those children have grown up, they don't want to have anything to do with those, those parents. Those human beings, they have a lot of remorsefulness on the inside of them. Now Are we they mask the father. I I'm, apologize, the father or the children. I'm sorry. No, no, the father. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that parent, you know, mm -hmm. and it could be, and even in mothers too, you know, that have failed in their in their parenting, right? They mm -hmm. they have a lot of remorse and a lot of regret in them. They mask a lot of it, you know, with alcohol, drugs, nicotine, mm -hmm. um, being sexually promiscuous. You know, yes. they, they mask a lot of it, you know, because they're in a lot of pain. But the reality mm -hmm. is this, they, they, they want to be healed. They want to get well. And they're looking for somebody like me and you to say, hey, Stan, hey, Eleanor, you know what? I'm 42 years old and I, I have three adult children. One is uh, 19, one is 21, and the other one is 24. And... You know, my kids don't want to have nothing to do with me, and that hurts me, but I don't know what to do. The beginning place is right here. Honesty, acknowledgement, mm -hmm. and owning up to it. And then bringing them to a place where, number one, you need individual and spiritual healing in your life first. Yes. In your life first. And, and once, once your well-being is addressed, then we can begin to work on the well-being of these interpersonal relationships with your children. But yes. until your own personal well-being is addressed, this is never going to happen because you're still yes. bringing the same denial and the mm -hmm. same toxicity and the same impairments that you know, brought you to the point where you are now, where you failed in the parenting of your children and they don't want to have anything to do with you, you know, that has to be addressed first. But there oh, is hope. And there's a lot of hope, but it's only in Jesus Christ. Yes. It's only that, in Jesus Christ. That is good. Yes. I, um, you, when you were speaking, so as in, and I always say it, reiterate it like one here. One of the things that brought about this podcast was um, I want to say I was drugged, like the Lord just drugged me to this thing, right? Because you know, God, this is not my, my role, right? Mm -hmm. But it is the hardship that I've carried with my daughter. And I have been a believer, I have been a follower of Jesus Christ 
I started wanting that relationship with the Lord at 12. I mean, talking about you, uh, you know, that, that kid that's like, oh, I, uh, my granddaughter said it one time. She was three. She said, I'm Bible toting. <laughs> she used, like, she would have her little Bible, her mother and father, my daughter and her father had a little Bible. She said, I'm Bible toting. But as a kid at 12, like I was like really into this. Like I want to know. And as I grew up, as I was growing, I strayed in areas. I definitely mm -hmm. did because I was young and it was not listening. Because even as a 12-year-old, 13, 14, 15-year-old, and there were things that happened along my way that I was became frustrated with, okay, God, how did you let this happen? Because I was young and didn't understand certain things. First of all, not understanding even what you said about owning our own stuff, mm -hmm. being honest, because mm -hmm. we can't blame everybody for mm -hmm. the decisions that we make. That's it's right. That's simple. That yep. decision you made is on you. You're pregnant at 18 because you made a decision and a choice and you already knew who God was. So we have to, we have to be genuine and sincere. If that relationship with that child is not right, there are things you have to own for yourself as well. And so when I came to this podcast, it was from the hurts and pains of my own life and wanting to mm -hmm. be able to, okay, Lord, I'm praying to God about something. He kept giving it to me about that passion to help other women. My sure. daughter and I are not in a good space. I say that and I don't say it proud. I say it with, okay, Lord, I continue to trust you mm -hmm. because as a parent, I always say, I gave my daughter a foundation in Christ. Yeah. I can say that without a hesitation. I can say that. Mm -hmm. I, I went, be, I walked before her. I did the things because I said, okay, I want my, I remember saying, no one can curse around her. If you a family member, daddy, whoever, you can't yeah. curse around, right? I was like extreme with it. And so the thing I'm saying is, so to see her once she grew up for the distance between us was and still is, it's a hurtful thing, but it's not hurtful as it was, be, as hurtful as it used to be. Sure. And I know that may seem strange to some, but um, the best way I can say it, at some point, you get to a place where the hurt just you, the continuation of it, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I just, I'm Lord, it's yours to have. But I sure. say all of that to say the very things that you talked about, about the Lord, that's powerful because my relationship with the Lord is what it is. I can't, grown over this. I can't make the decisions for my daughter in the right. choices she's made. What I can do continuously is love my daughter. And when the Holy Spirit prompts me to reach out to her each and every time I do that, even if she say, I don't want to talk to you, yeah. you know, yeah. that is something. So I do want to encourage women and men because there may be a father that say, Hey, I've tried to reach out to my children yeah, and yeah. they don't want to communicate with me. Well, okay. You do your work. You continue to, but you can only allow God. God will heal the hardest of the hardest hearts. Amen. People have a tendency to say, well, that person is a good person, but they're not saved. So what? They're not saved and they're still a good person. So why do you have to follow Christ? 
Now I'm gonna let you walk into that because I can walk into that strong, but I want you to walk into that. And if, if you could speak to, and we'll, I'll let you continue. Um, we'll get into just one or two more questions. Okay. But a good person, but they're not saved. Yeah. People yeah. think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's better than them being a bad person, right? We'll all own <laughs> up to that. Uh, but. You know, the scriptures, the scriptures basically, you know, address and discuss that as being part and parcel of God's common grace. Mm -hmm. All of us are made in the image and likeness of God. And mm -hmm. because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we have our conscience. Our consciences are God's voice box in all of us that prompts us and steer us to make right decisions, even though no one may have, may have ever taught us that, hey, this is the wrong thing to do. This is the right thing to do. Our consciences, which is God's voice box in all of us yeah. says, hey, this is what you should do because the more you move to the right here, you can feel within your spirit, you can feel on the inside of you that that's a poor decision, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's God's common grace. And so to the extent that people are good people, moral people, ethical people making the right decision, that's because of God's grace in them. The fact that they're made in the image and likeness of God um, and they're doing they're doing right as their creator created them to do right. Yeah. Even though we're in a fallen state, right? Because of Adam mm -hmm. and Eve being birth, born into this world, you know, um, uh, in, in, in sin. But Christ died on the cross um, because in our fallenness, we do not have the capacity not even an ounce of capacity, even though I may make the right decision in my un, in my unregenerate, not born again state, even though I may make the right decision and and do humanitarian things, you know, feed people, you know, make sure old ladies get across the street, you know, stop people from robbing people. Even though on this horizontal plane it's good and it's ethical, on this vertical plane with God, it's still evil because our, our impulses, we, we do those things so that we can say, I'm a good person. Mm. You know, we, we want to sit back on our hobby horse and, and feel self-righteous and so forth. Mm. And so that's why mm. the scripture says that all of our goodnesses, all our righteousnesses, all of our good deeds are stench you know mm. in, the, in the nostrils and the sinuses of god they they mm. still smell bad you know and so we need christ in order for our good deeds after we've been given a righteous and just standing with god because we're in christ we need to be born again in order for our good deeds to be smiled upon by yeah. god you wow. know, because apart from God, we do not have the capacity, you know, to to do good. Now, if I can maybe just say this real quickly. You can um, say I it. Appreciate, I appreciate how, you know, you reach out to women 
and 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 encourage them. I do the same thing, you know, with both men and women, but mostly with men. And 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 here it goes right here, Eleanor. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of fathers who are estranged from their sons and their daughters, um, and will own up to it. It's like, hey, Pastor Stan, I blew it. You know, I was doing all the wrong stuff, but now I got it together and I'm trying to reach out. I say, listen, this is what you do. You know that you love your son. You know that you love your daughter. Tell God, ask God to tell your daughter, to tell your son that you love them. Ask God to impress upon your daughter, to impress upon your son that dad says, your dad, your biological dad says that he loves you. I mean, I've had I've had seasons of estrangement from, uh, you know, with two of my my four daughters. We went through seasons of estrangement for uh, some years and I tried to fix it desperately at first. But the more I tried to fix it, the more they became estranged. And it's like, OK, Lord, I'm going to turn this over to you because the harder I try, the more they resist me. Mm. So it's like, Lord, I'm going to put this in your hand and I pray to God. I pray to God that they're not looking down um, on me stretched out in the coffin saying, Daddy, I'm sorry. I, I pray that I, I pray that you bring mm. us, bring our relationship full circle. But in the event that you do not, will you tell my daughter, Alexis was one. Will you tell my daughter, Victoria was the other one, that I love them? Wow. And I believe. I believe he yeah. did, you know, because he brought him back to me. And when he brought yeah. him back to me, it's like, you know, it could have been maybe, you know, with, with one, it was maybe about seven years. He brought him back wow. full circle. And the, the interesting thing is that our relationship now is better than it was. And it was really good, mm. you know, because, you know, my, my girls, for the most part, they were daddy's girls. Right. Um, it's better now than it was before. But I, wow. just let God, I just let God do it. And I don't talk about the why. Yes. I wait, I wait for them, you know, to say, hey, daddy, you know, I think I owe you, you know, this. And man, this can make me a little tender right now. Mm, but, come on. But, um, you know, what what they've commonly what they've commonly done, you know, has said, Daddy, I, I, I think I I think I owe you an explanation as to mm. you know the reason why. And and you know, you you listen and uh you you know you don't try to analyze anything un unless you know there's a need for analysis, but you celebrate the fact that hey, you know what, God has brought us back together, and um, you know, you keep on keeping on, you know. Uh, wow. Now, you know, they have kids. And so it's like, I just want to be the best, you know, the best grandfather, you know, to your children as I possibly can. And as much as you need to lean on me as a dad, it's like, hey, just like I always was there, I will continue to always be here now. So. Wow. So, yeah. I love that. I, I You know what? Because. That you, I, I had a few questions I was going to ask you, but you actually answered them as you were speaking. Now, you are with that being said, because I've asked this question before when it comes to blended families. So, when you have the blended family, how do you balance that? 
having um, a wife and then having these estranged relationships that you have to, you now have to, um, uh, how do I say, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word deal with because it's not what it is. It's for lack of a better term, but you're, you're now having to manage, you've had that loss right? and now that they're back. So how do you manage that? Uh, level of priority when it comes to a blended family and your wife and your children? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a very good question. You know, for for me, um, what, what I always made an effort to do was keep to a minimum, you know, the dysfunction within our children. And, okay. and I knew the one of the primary ways of doing that was to allow my children, our children, even though me and their mom was no longer together, mm -hmm. allow our children to see us cooperating and getting along. You know, um, when um, when I lost um, my marriage and me and my kid's mom had to co-parent our children and then she eventually got married, you mm -hmm. know, as, as some of our kids were growing up, you know, kids will try to split parents. I mean, they, they try to split parents and divide parents even when the parents are together. But even more so, even more so when their mommy and daddy is not together. And so I always educated our kids, hey, listen, you do not want to put your mom in a situation where she has to make a, uh, a choice between you and her husband, all right? And so, um, and I never allowed them to, to create variance and separation between me and their stepfather. I would say, listen, you guys are so blessed. You know, you have not one home now, but two homes. When you come home with daddy, you're at home. When you go back home to mama and your stepdad, you're at home. I, and, and I would educate them. Furthermore, not only do you have just one daddy, you have two fathers now. And so I would educate my kids. Hey, listen, you know, uh, you cooperate and uh, abide by the rules of your mom and your stepfather. Um, and when they would try to come to me in order to get me to, to side with them, it's like, no, it's not going like that. You know, um, you have to get back in the game and. Again, do not put your mom in a situation where she has to make a decision between you and her husband because that would be painful for your mom. And I know you love your mom. So don't do that to your mother. And I'm not going to support you in doing that to your mother, even though we're not married anymore. But, mm -hmm. you know, whether it was a daughter of mine or a son of mine, I'm not going to let you do that to your mother. And I'm not going to support you in doing that either. Yeah, and even oh. in your own life, you because you have your spouse. Yeah, you have like the same thing on that side. Not making that uh, particular, uh, forcing you to make that decision or that choice. Exactly. Because you have to have that balance. So I absolutely, uh, I have enjoyed this. I do want you to do something for me though. There you have here, and I'm going to let you yield us out from here. You talked about nurturing an ongoing supportive relationship with your adult children. 
Now, even though we spoke about that a little bit, the nurturing and ongoing is important that I think every man would gain knowledge from and some women as well. But if you could just, the what does that nurturing and ongoing relationship look like for adult children? Basic, for, for me, Eleanor, it's remembering birthdays, continuing to do things just because, as I did when they were younger children, um, whether it's a card in the mail, you know, shooting them a text, hey, I'm thinking about you, you know, I just want you to know that I love you, uh, praying for them without them even knowing that I'm praying for them. And then sometimes calling them, asking them how they're doing. And before we get off the phone, you know, honey, sweetheart or son, um, can your dad pray for you? And they always say, yeah, dad, I would like that. Um, and then ask them, how can I pray for you? And they let me know whatever concerns may be theirs. Um, wow. but, but being there, you know, not blowing their phone up, you know, giving them space to be adults and giving them room to reach back out to you. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of a fine line, you know, allowing them to grow up and leave the nest and spread their wings and fly for as long as they want to fly until they want to come back to the nest and say, wow, dad, it's been two months since we talked. Um, I miss talking to you. You know, let's catch up, you know. Um, yeah. You know, our our adult children in Chicago, um, when I go there, um, catching up with them together, you know, their schedule's allowed for because we got three and three different colleges there, right? You know, okay. or if the schedule doesn't allow, I catch up to one or two of them and maybe do breakfast, do lunch, the same kinds of things that we used to do, you know, wow. um, just going out, spending quality time together. And... The interesting thing is this right here, Eleanor, my kids, they almost always tell me, wow, dad, you know, I miss talking to you. You know, we, we used to have these conversations all the time and, wow. and I miss talking to you, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, as a parent, as a father, it, it makes you feel good. Yes. You know? it, it, know. it really, it really makes you feel good. Cause you know, as, as, as a dad, sometimes I wish that they were, small enough where I could take them by the hand and, you know, take them places, uh, you know, entertaining them on playgrounds and swimming pools and horseback riding and canoeing and stuff like that. But they're adults now. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of wait until, you know, time and life allows for quality time. Again, it doesn't happen as often, but it does still happen. Wow. That's so good. So this is what I'm going to do. To gear us on out of here. I first want to say something to the women. And then I'm going to ask something for you because it's going to close us out. I won't say another word after you say the final words. And I'm going to give okay. you what that, uh, that response. Um, for one, I want to say to women, you know, we have to keep in mind 
as well. One of the set of women that I haven't had a chance to speak to during this series is the women. We, we've talked about women that keep children from their fathers. There are fathers as well that just are not there. So we're not just blaming women for that. There are some fathers that's just not doing what they're supposed to do. We get that. And here, that's why we're in here kind of hopefully talking to some of these men and they can hear that. But I would like to say something to the women that are with you're with a man that has small children and you are purposefully because you have children with this man now you're holding or does you don't want him to be around his other children that are small that is so um I just want to plead to you if your conscience even hears on that. Those children, when they are small, they need their father. Amen. That father is, there's a reason for a mother and a father. He has a place in that child's life. We're not talking about fathers that are reckless or abuse. We're not talking about those fathers. We're talking about those fathers that need to be in every woman. When that child is small, if you're with a man that you are now in relationship with him in a marriage, you need to be encouraging him to be in relationship with those children, not just the children that are in the home. There will come a day that if that's not done, you'll see the other side of that. And it's not good because those children have to grow up. So I want to say that first, and I hope that it's heard the way that it is, because as women, we have to also be able to see from one woman's side to the other woman's side. Mm -hmm. It's not so often people focus on the man and they're not focusing on the children. That's right. Or they're focusing on the woman if the man has custody of the children and they're not focusing on the children. When mm -hmm. we have children outside of God, our children have to be a priority that we see when they're small because they only have us to look to mm. as children. Mm. So I want to say that. And I'm going to say this last thing I'm going to ask you to do, because one thing I know that you honor and you reverence outside of God, and that is your time with your wife. You made that very clear. You don't mm. let anything take away time from her other than the Lord. So I want to make sure we get you off of here so that you could come, you can greet her when it's time. So any advice, this is how I want you to close us out. And I won't say a word after that. Any advice that you can give to the women, including myself, within blended families that you feel is important, blended families, because that's not an easy thing to do. So anything you could give to myself as a woman and the women when it comes, and men. When it comes to blended families and raising of children. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for asking that, uh, Eleanor, and, and allowing me to address that. Um, the, the advice I would give basically underscores what you previously stated. Statistically, when fathers are not allowed to be a part of their children's lives, their dysfunctionality and impairment goes up exponentially. And 
I don't know of any mother who, if you were to ask them, would say that they are willing to put their child's life on a, a course of life where at the end of their life, they're going to crash and burn. Any, any mom that, that robs the child from having a relationship with that father, they are virtually putting their child on a ship that is going to soon wreck. Um, the dropout rates in school is very high among children who do not have their fathers involved in their lives. The suicide rate, the alcohol abuse and addiction, other drug addictions are very high. Sexual promiscuity, all of those things, incarceration, everything goes up in terms of that child having less of a chance to be what we would understand as being successful, everything goes down in terms of the chances of them being successful. And I don't know of any mom in their right mind, if they knew that, they would do everything they possibly can so that they're to maximize the chances of their child being successful. And a person would have to be very selfish in order to keep either one of the parents, you know, dads when it comes to moms, moms when it comes to dads, and that's where we see it mostly. A person would have to be very, very selfish in order to increase the chances of their child crashing and burning um, and, and just saying, hey, I don't care. I don't want to have... I don't want him to have anything to do with the life of my child. And, and it's really because of her own pain. And it has nothing to do with the child. My truth. I'm honored that God has placed this before me. And I'm looking forward to all that he alone will do by way of healing for so many women, including myself.